Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. just want to start by giving a shout out to our amazing sponsor cbd uplift they provide the best cbd products on the market including oil gummies and capsules i've actually tried the products myself and i can genuinely say they're the best cbd i've ever had especially the gummies i'd seriously recommend anyone um if you use our discount code brawl 20 you'll get 20 percent off and free shipping so thanks a million lads violent gentleman the newest and fastest growing boxing inspired training size casual wear brand established in Northern Ireland. Violent inside the ropes, a gentleman outside of them. Behave accordingly. Check out their website violentgentleman20.com and all their socials. Facebook violentgent20, Twitter violentgent20 and Insta violentgentleman20. Thank you. So Paulie, before, before we get started, you're obviously a very proud Italian-American. Will you be watching yeah. the, the Italy game on Friday in the Euros? Absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. I'm actually a bit nervous. I was not nervous until uh, the the Mancini started to uh, tinker with the midfield lineup. I, I know Verratti is the big-name player. Verratti is the expensive midfielder from PSG and all this other stuff. But I think it's been quite obvious Locatelli has, has to have that position at this point, you know, uh, the pre the pre Euro friendly against the Czech Republic, we won it four nil a week before the tournament started. Um, we we played excellent in the first two games with Locatelli starting, uh, beat both Turkey and the Swiss. Uh, people were even saying that uh, you know we had we were so not we're still trying not to be convinced saying we hadn't played anybody, but if you see what happened afterwards, the Swiss have obviously eliminated France. So so obviously we were playing some pretty good competition. It's just that we were putting it together nicely. I understand Verratti has to come back. Um, and so for the Wales game, I think you got your first look at how the midfield would line up with uh, with Verratti, who himself is a solid midfielder. I just feel like he plays like he does at PSG, where he's up four, three or four nil in every game. So he can just kind of take his time. And his only job is to not give the ball away. His only job yeah. is to keep possession. While with Italy, you actually have to be a creator. You have to create in the midfield because I'll be honest, I don't think Italy's forwards are that good. You know, Belotti, mm-hmm. uh, Mobile, they don't convince me. So we've got to get the playmaking out of the midfield to create things create opportunities for not, for not just for themselves, but also for the forwards. And I think uh, Locatelli, with his ability to take on the man, with his speed, with his runs, even when he doesn't have the ball, the runs he makes, something Verratti doesn't do. Um, I, I just think it's a, it, it's a no-brainer. Um, so when you play the Wales game, you win 1-0, nobody really pays attention to the fact that 
the midfield was was not really that creative. But then the Austria game, you kind of got you that sense. You know, they closed up, but so did Turkey, so did Switzerland. They both closed up too, and we still weren't even holding them up. You know, mm-hmm. Austria now closes up, and we can't get through because we got this guy making five, six touches in midfield instead of making one or two and getting rid of the ball and going for a run. I think he's a good player. I just, you know, and I know that politically it's 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 not the, the, the biggest of fanfare to replace the PSG midfielder with a Sassuolo midfielder, but I'm sorry. I feel this strongly about it. If Verratti starts Friday, Italy going home. <laughs> really? If Locatelli starts Friday, I really think Italy have a chance to win the European Cup. That's how much of a difference it makes to me. The entire midfield, the identity of the midfield changes with Locatelli and Verratti. And what's annoying to me, nobody's talking about this. Everybody's talking about the De Bruyne injury and the Hazard injury. Nobody's talking about the dilemma Italy are facing right now in midfield. Their whole tournament depends on this dilemma. I don't care what Belgium team comes in. I don't care if De Bruyne and Hazard were healthy. If Locatelli's in midfield, we still beat them. That's how strongly I feel about this Italy team. But Verratti changes the entire identity of the midfield. And if Verratti plays in the midfield and starts the midfield on Friday, I don't even think you beat a depleted Belgium team. You're going home. You know, so (laughs) for me, it's that. It's that much of a difference. Because one thing Verratti did that is really difficult to do, not only was he terrible, he actually made Insigne and Berardi terrible. And Benzini and Berardi had been playing great with Locatelli because Locatelli's runs open up the splanks for them. Berardi was so bad that not only was he bad, but he made Insigne and, and Berardi also look terrible. So the entire identity of the field changed. You really, really need Locatelli to play. That's how strongly I feel about this. And Polly, um, Polly I am, I am absolutely shocked here. I got to be honest. When we asked you that, I thought growing up in America, you weren't going to have a fucking clue what we were talking. Oh, about. man, are you crazy? My, my parents are born. In, I have parents born in Italy. I grew up on the Syria. I grew up watching yeah. even in the United States. I grew up watching Syria. We had this ob- 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 very obscure Italian channel we'd get in the New York area that we get one Sunday game a week. We get the UEFA Cup games, the Cup Winners Cup game, and uh, and we get one UEFA Cup game. We get a Cup Winners Cup game and a Champions Cup game. At the time, it was a Champions Cup, not the Champions League. And then uh, on Sunday, we'd get the mornings, one morning Sunday game because all the games were on Sunday morning in the New- in New York time. And we get the highlight show, the, the Nomentesimo Minuto. So I grew up watching this this generation. I mean, I grew up since the Baggio era. Since uh, I remember Dunga playing at Fiorentina. I remember Batman Batistuta signed with Fiorentina. I remember Baggio when it was the big the big sale from Fiorentina to to Juventus. I remember the Van Basten years at Milan. I mean, I, I've been watching for a long, long time. I've been it, to tell you the truth, football is my favorite sport. It's my, it's it's more. It's, I, I just ended up in boxing. I could talk football all day, man. Trust me. <laughs> I'll have to get you on for another football episode at some point, then. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I tell people if people would only know, maybe I get away from boxing. I start being an analyst for football. I actually <laughs> wondered whenever I seen Martin Braithwaite on your your Instagram story. Was it last yeah, night? You had yeah. Him on? yeah, yeah. How did I, that I, come I'm, about? I'm, I'm friends with Martin's cousin, and Martin's cousin is a is a, is a New York guy. And uh, uh, so, because Martin's father, Martin's cousin was telling me that Martin's father was a guy from Brooklyn. He's a West Indian guy from Brooklyn. You know, Caribbean guy from Brooklyn. So I didn't know that. You know, um, so. You know, uh, I've kind of, I've always been friends with uh, with his cousin Philip, um, and so we were just chatting up, chatting up with Martin uh, yesterday as well. Yeah. yeah so we got until we were rudely interrupted. Molly, <laughs> <laughs> before we before we get into the the fight talk, just on the subject of being a proud sort of proud Italian uh, American Italian man, I was flicking down Twitter today and I seen the the age old debate open up again about pineapple on pizza. I want to hear your thoughts on this. <laughs> Wait, which pizza is it? Is it a, a square or or the, the triangle pizza? We'll go. We'll go for the circular. We'll go for a, a good old circular pizza. Is pineapple oh, okay. ever acceptable? You're about the personal pizza or the, in the United States the square? 
Now he's talking about like a pizza pie in the United States. Would you put a pineapple on it? Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The way they serve pizza in Italy, they give you a personal little pizza. Okay, it's a personal pizza. You kind of get a fork and knife and you and you, and you cut it. Now, now with the advent of the internet and the and the, and the influence of everything, you know, you do have slices. You go to Rome, you're gonna find a place that gives you slices. But the way a pizza is served in Italy are personal pizzas. You order your own personal pizza. You get a fork and knife and you just eat it right off the plate like that. Um, in the United States, you know, it's, it's bigger pizzas. You, they slice them up. You've got your squares as well. Um, and, and again, we get them in, uh, in, in slices over here. To tell you the truth, I don't, I, I don't have a, a legitimate preference. It's more so for me, what, is, what kind of mood I'm in. You know, when I'm in Italy, I enjoy the pizza. When I'm in the United States, I have my place that I enjoy the pizza. The difference, though, one major difference is some of the toppings. The toppings change and vary. Um, like in Italy, I remember even as a kid, we had a, a hard-boiled egg was one of the toppings. You know, you'd slice up the hard-boiled egg and you'd and you and you put it on the pizza with uh, with green peas. You know, on top of the on top of the pizza. Now, again, with the advent of the internet, a lot of things are kind of cross cross mixed because uh, the internet kind of you know shows you different viewpoints and everybody does whatever they want. Now you're seeing pineapple on pizza, which to me is ludicrous. <laughs> there we go. That's, so, what I, that's what I wanted to hear, Polly. <laughs> so, Polly, on a serious note, you've recently got involved with the BYB Extreme Fighting Series, which is bare knuckle boxing for anyone that doesn't know that's listening. Can you tell us what interested yeah. you about that? Um, you know, I always enjoy calling fights. I always enjoy breaking down fights for the fans. Uh, it, it's exciting to me. It's it's it's. Uh, I love getting my mind tested and being able to see the patterns and the breakdowns of fights. So. Something that always interests me, bare knuckle boxing is still boxing, although it's always it's a little bit different with the bare knuckles. There are some things that must be kept in mind that are key differences. But the trigon for me was the biggest, uh, the most interesting thing. And BYB uses the trigon, which is a really, really interesting. Um, I guess I guess I guess we'll call it a really interesting fighting service, because really, not only is it not only is it um. A small, it's the smallest fight surface you can you have in combat sports, but it's also a small triangle, which there's three corners. And so when as soon as you back up, you don't have a chance to even show any ring generalship. And meanwhile, I can appreciate ring generalship. And I was a fighter who fought using ring generalship. At the end of the day, you have a modern day fight fan that wants instant gratification. It's the instant gratification generation. It's the internet. You click and you get what you want, everything. So I think fans today kind of want that instant gratification and, and they won't really understand a feel-out process. So I think that, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's really, really interesting because you're going to get exactly what you want. Knockouts, quick fights, violent fights. And the reason they're quick is because guys are usually wound up trapped and forced to fight so much that eventually somebody is kind of suffocated out of there. Heavy hitters punch bags are great for improving your technique as they are soft on the hands, which allows you to train longer and harder with less damage compared to a traditional punch bag. The product is great for building strength and fitness and is fast becoming a favorite piece of equipment in many gyms up and down the country and improving their members' cardio. For any gym owners listening, one of the advantages to heavy hitters is that they can be used outside in fair weather and they can be easily wiped down compared to larger traditional boxing equipment. These are obviously two massive advantages in the current climate that we all find ourselves in. Heavy hitters sell the product in three different sizes, meaning they can accommodate to every customer's practical needs and abilities. You can check this out on their website today. If you use code BRAWL15, you'll get 15% off all orders over £50. Personally, for me and the lads, Heavy Hitters has sent us a punch bag each, and I can't vouch for the product enough. It's so handy to set up and a great way to release some of the stresses of your everyday life. Definitely go and have a look on their website. You definitely won't be disappointed. 
we've we've heard you speak in the past, Polly, about uh, bare knuckle and obviously how tough it tough as it is. It's actually much safer than boxing. Could you expand yeah. on that? Well, here's the thing. Uh, the, the thing that makes boxing so dangerous is the traumatic brain injuries, right? So when yeah. it comes to traumatic brain injuries, you the fight the, inside the ring, it comes from heavily loaded shots. So here's how I explain it to people. Bare knuckle boxing is exciting to people because the knuckles are, can be basically used like razor blades. Even if a shot doesn't land cleanly, it's going to open a cut because even a crazy shot with your knuckle slices your skin open, right? So you get the excitement of blood, you get the excitement of the perceived violence, which is violent nonetheless, it is combat of, of, of the fans. So this gives them a chance to feel like, wow, you know, this is some fight. But at the end of the day, the thing that's really traumatic and, and, and kills people in boxing is traumatic brain injuries. And bare knuckle boxing doesn't allow you to um, load heavy shots consistently. Not that it doesn't allow you to the rules, you can load up as much as you want. But if you do that, you're going to wind up breaking your hand. You're going to wind up with very sore hands. And your, your natural instinct is going to become to not throw the punch as hard. So if you don't throw the punch as hard, guess what? You're still going to cut, guys, because the knuckles don't have to land that hard to open cuts. You're still going to have uh, pretty intense fights. You're still going to have knockouts because a lot of guys don't like that no that bone-to-bone -bone, uh, uh, crashing on each other and that feeling of getting hit with a bare hand. So if you notice, if you really notice in bare-knuckle boxing, a lot of the knockouts are guys just being overwhelmed. They just kind of fall. You know, they just kind of go down because they're like, oh, I don't want to feel this anymore, you know? But in reality, they're not being knocked out. In boxing, on the other hand, you have traumatic brain injuries, you have deaths, you have guys fighting until, you know, they can't fight anymore a lot of times, you know? And so it's really, really uh, uh, a safer sport, but at the, at the same time, it's exciting because people don't really think about it as very safe. So they think they're watching something violent and it kind of gives, it kind of, it kind of, um, it satisfies their thirst for that violence. Yeah, that's the thing I, that's the thing I find so crazy about, you, you obviously, um, had your bare knuckle fight two years ago and you broke your hand in the second round. Now, for anyone, yeah. anyone who doesn't know about much about sort of combat sport, that's the equivalent of fucking breaking your foot in a marathon. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, it's, in it's interesting because I felt, even with the, her hand, I've broken my hand even in, in a boxing match, right? So it's not like it's I've been in situations where, oh no, I, I broke my hand and I don't know what to do. I, I've done that even in boxing matches. So I, 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 I know I didn't have to panic because if a guy's not good enough, I'll be able to handle the pace even with one hand, especially if I have my lead hand. My lead hand is very important to me because it's pretty it's pretty much what I've learned to um, um, fight with even when I had two hands, you know, because I got so used to hurting my hand so many other times. You know, so so when I hurt my hand in the bare knuckle fight, I remember thinking, like, not, not really panicking. I knew it was broken. I know the kind of pain I have in my hand when it's broken and the kind of pain I have in my hand when it's just sore. That's how many times I've broken my hand, but I can tell the difference. So I knew when I broke it that I broke it, but I also felt like, I don't know, this guy is not that great. Like, I can try to kind of control the fight. I'm going to have to fight a different kind of fight. You know, I felt like when I broke my hand, I was just starting to find the timing with the right hands. I was going to start using it a lot more often. I kind of was, I kind of set my distance with it. And with my luck, it broke the first good shot I hit him with. But nonetheless, even when I had to fight it in, in a tactical way, I didn't find the fight very difficult, you know. Um, and so I, it, it only made my opinion that bare knuckle boxing is safer. Uh, it only made me double down on that, you know. So it was a, it was a fight, you know. They, Artem got the decision, you know. It was a closer fight, but I still felt like I, I controlled the action. But nonetheless, um, it was a fight there that even with the adjustment I had to make, 
didn't really feel like it was that difficult. And I feel that, and, and, and again, it made me double down on the fact that for me, bare knuckle boxing is safer and not as difficult as professional boxing if you can get over the psychological aspect of the fact that everything is bare knuckle. Yeah, there's there's that quote I've heard you say, which I fucking love. Uh, think is it that uh, fighting doesn't build character, it reveals character. Yeah. So like you're only, yeah. you're only really, you, like a lot of people think that when you get pushed to tough times, but you're you, what you're saying is you yeah. only actually find out what you're made of when you're putting that. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, you know, for lack of a better example, that's where I've I've kind of criticized Conor McGregor on that. You know, like when you find out who you are when you're in a tough situation, you know, it's 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 we can all we're all I, I used to hear a saying in the gym, we're all fighters in round one. You know, when the bell rings, we're all fighters because we have our energy, we feel pumped up already. Everybody's a fighter in round one. Are you a fighter when things start to twist in the other direction? That's when you find out the character you have. And that's when your character is revealed. It doesn't really build character. You either have that character in you or you don't. You just find out when you test it. Paulie, I want to switch it just briefly to your boxing career. So obviously you had an illustrious career, fought some of the greats in the game. What would you say was the toughest fight of your career? Um, I, I, get, I get asked this question often. It's always the same answer. I, I, I have no doubt in my mind. I fought great fighters. Uh, but Miguel Cotto was the most complete fighter I fought. Um, mm-hmm. the, most, the most terrible style from my style, most, most uncomfortable style from my style was Amir Khan because he kind of had the height and the speed that, and I, he fought at range, which is things that I wanted to do, but he was faster and taller than me. But the most complete fighter I ever fought, the most absolutely complete fighter I fought, I fought was Miguel Cotto. He, could, he, had, he was very good technically. He hit very hard. He knew how to set traps. He knew how to put you in difficult positions. And he knew how to be very dirty as well, which is also an, a nice trick to have up your sleeve. Did yeah, he hit yeah. hardest out of anyone you fought? Yeah, he hit the. He was the hardest puncher I ever fought. Yeah, yeah, Cotto, Cotto. People forget how good Cotto was in his day, and that was another fight where you got you got hurt quite early on, like with your eye, yeah. and you just yeah, persevered yeah. I, bro- I, I broke the orbit. I broke my orbital bone in round two on the knockdown, and kind of, you know, I, I think what I had going for me was I was ignorant to the fact that you could break the orbit bone. I mean, I knew guys had broken it because I remember watching Meltzer Taylor versus Chavez when I was younger, and I, he broke his orbit bone. But it was something that you don't really think about. You know, it wasn't an injury you think about. So. When I was swelling up, I just remember thinking, I can breathe out of my nose so my nose is not broken. I can open and close my mouth so my jaw is not broken. I don't know what's why I'm swelling, but this guy hits really hard. So maybe I'm just swelling because he hits really hard. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't really sure if anything was broken, you know, because I, I, I didn't, I went, as far as my ignorant mind was thinking, nothing was broken. It was just he hit really hard. <laughs> That's the strange thing, though, because we actually, we were talking about this the other week. I up until about three or four years ago, I'd never really heard of orbital fractures. I remember when yeah. it happened to Kel Brook with GGG, I was like, fuck. Yeah. Now I feel like I've heard it so much yeah. over the past few years. I feel like it's happening more and more. Billy Joe Saunders, yeah, it's weird. And even uh, and even uh, a Dubois fight. Yeah, it's it's a strange thing, man. It's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's a freak accident. You know, it happens, it happens. You know, it, it can always happen in a fight, but, you know, you just don't know when it's going to happen. Would you advise huh? the fighter then? Because obviously you're one of the very, very few who has fought on with that. Would you, mm-hmm. if you were coaching a fighter, would you advise them to fight on with that? Or would you be like, no, cut your I, I, I don't know. You see, it's a, it, it, I, I, I think there's no advice that can be given. And there's no criticism that can be given. I know how difficult it is to fight through that. And I've never criticized a fighter who's, who's given up after having that injury. Um, and I think Billy Joe Saunders learned his lesson with criticizing that because they happened to him after he criticized uh, the Dubois, the heavyweight, when he lost to Joe Joyce the same way with the with the orbital bone. The thing about boxing is, you know, you're going to wind up throwing, throwing rocks when you live in a glass house because any of these injuries that you criticize guys for can happen to you at any given point. 
mm-hmm. you know? And so ha- having been a person who's older, my, like myself, uh, being a person who's older, has the experience and actually went through it. I have to, I, I never ever criticize guys who go through that injury because I know exactly the, the debilitation it has on you, on, you, on you, not just physically, but also the mental struggle, the mental anguish you are in, in that fight, all while trying to maintain your desire to win the fight. Now that is another, it's one thing to stay in the fight. It's another thing to maintain your desire to stay in the fight. It is such a, a messed up fight to fight. Um, within yourself, as well as having a very difficult opponent in front of you. Because if a guy's good enough to break your orbital bone, obviously he's a good fighter. So you are battling so many things all at once. It is the most mentally stressing situation of all, on top of which you have to make sure you don't lose a desire to win the fight. Because you can't just stay in there just to survive and make yourself look. You have to try to win the fight. And uh, I, I felt like I was doing that, but it was, it was the most mentally stressing night, and physically as well, of my boxing career. Yeah, when you when you seen Canelo, obviously hit Billy Joe with that, and you you hear the likes of Jake Paul calling uh, Canelo out, and you're just like these these YouTubers and TikTokers don't realize like when something like that happens for even for us three presenters, like we we're, we're out of the we're out of the ring as soon as as soon as the referee can blink because you just can't, you just cannot uh, don't play go on, it. and that's that's what makes fighters different than these YouTubers yeah. and TikTokers, and they're not gonna know unless. They have to overcome that. So they fighting uh, YouTubers or basketballers or TikTokers or whatever. Like you're, it's okay fighting them, but when you go and fight yeah. a real boxer, yeah, yeah, and I, that's what I tell people. I say, you know, and I've heard this saying. I'm sure you've heard this saying. You play football. You play basketball. You play a lot of. You play rugby. You don't play boxing. You do boxing. Mm-hmm. You don't play boxing. Boxing is something you do. It's not something you play. And and if you if, if you mess around with it too much, you're gonna find out why it is that way. Yeah, but I wanted to touch on as well. You being in there with Ricky Hatton, we had Ricky's son Campbell on last week. I'm just interested to hear your thoughts on that on that fight. Uh, on my fight with Ricky, um, you know, I can't say anything about it. You know, it's uh, Ricky was a better man that night. Um, I I have often heard uh the discussion and the conversation about the Ricky Hatton fight. The Ricky had a good camp, and then he had a bad camp with the Pacquiao fight. Um. I really feel like I was a different fighter on the Buddy McGirt. Um, and so it was just a stylistic thing. It was not that Buddy, Buddy's a bad trainer. He's actually a good trainer for the right styles. Um, but you, I feel you have to be a puncher with Buddy. And I was a more of a shifty guy. I'm, I'm not, not so much a puncher. And so it kind of slowed down my feet inadvertently. It slowed that. It was a byproduct of his style. So by the time I got with Hatton, which was two years with McGirt, I was kind of a depleted fighter. Um, if any and anybody who has a hard time believing that, you just have to look at the two fights I had prior to that. You know, that Love Morendo rematch and the Herman and Gojo defense, I did not look good. You know, so I was kind of a depleting fighter, uh, kind of with a training within a style that was not suited for my strengths and for me. You know, if you're suited for Buddy's strengths, a buddy can actually help you a lot and make you a really good fighter. But I think the key of being a Buddy McGirt type of fighter is being a puncher. Buddy himself was a very good puncher and and it allowed him to be a very good boxer. For me, I was a shifty guy with my legs and um, a byproduct of Buddy's style where it slowed down my feet, which was kind of a nightmare for me. So by the time we got to the Hatton fight, I felt like I was a shell of myself. I tell people sometimes, you know, I I don't think a six-round version of me, the six-round fighter, Paulie Malinaji, would have lost to the Paulie Malinaji before Ricky Hatton. But in life, it's timing. You know, it's everything and it's timing. I do think that had Hatton fought the version of me that fought Miguel Cotto, or the version of me that fought uh, Juan Diaz even nine months later, he would have probably had a lot more problems. But as it was, that's the way it was. That's the way it turned out. Uh, Ricky had a great night. I had a bad night. And uh, you don't you don't go by that. You go by what you were on that night. And on the night, 
no excuses that can be made. I, I, I didn't have it. Ricky had it, and uh, and Ricky won the fight. So there are there are certain fights that you know I, I, I live in controversy with the Adrian Broner fight, the Juan Diaz fight. You know where I thought you know I, I won those fights, but there's nothing that can be said about the Hatton fight. You know those were decisions that I made. Um, I was kind of pushed into training with Buddy. I didn't really know him, but he was a big name trainer, uh, and my management at the time wanted a big name trainer, so we I kind of went with him. You know, but afterwards, yeah, it was a learning experience. I think it was a learning experience for everybody, including Buddy. You know, I, I, I remain respectful of Buddy, and I think Buddy is a good trainer um, for the right styles. I really think he can help guys. But a guy with my style, I don't think benefits with Buddy McGurdon. And I just think that's with any trainer. Some trainers you mesh and blend well with, some trainers you don't. Um, I had a good first year with Buddy, but I felt like there was a lot of my old style still left in me. By the time we got to the second year, you were kind of already saw the – the effect of, of what was being done. And it, it wasn't so great, but it's just styles. It happens. You know, you get a, you get a flat footed puncher and you make him fight with a razzle dazzle type of trainer that I love type of trainer. And you know, you're going to ruin him too. Styles make fight styles also make the marriages with a trainer. But guys, I've got to get going now. I'm sorry. We can do this again some other time. I've got an appointment at three 30 here, man. No, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Polly, thank you so much for coming. Thanks on. For I'll catch you guys again soon. Be well. Legend Polly. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, guys, that's it for our episode with Polly Malinaji. Join us again next week and we'll be back with a very special guest. A massive thank you goes to That Prize Guy, who has also sponsored the podcast. That Prize Guy is a company who runs competitions daily on their Instagram and Facebook. They're based in Bangor in Northern Ireland and they have a range of prizes from Range Rovers to Rolex watches and even plenty grand in cash. If you check out their website at thatprizeguy.co.uk, you can enter any of their competitions there. And if you use our code BRAWL20, you'll get 20% off and free shipping. So thanks for the continued support, lads. It's much appreciated. Big thanks to Wow Hydrate, who have sponsored the podcast. They've provided me and the lads with some of their protein and vitamin waters, along with their electrolyte drinks, which are the best on the market. Thanks for your continued support. We really appreciate it. Oh, and down he goes! Right hand, left hand! And I don't think he's going to get up! I think it's all over! I think it's over! Is he going to get up?